0: Some of you will remember this song lyric. Memories may be beautiful, and yet, what's too painful to remember, we simply choose to forget. I would sing that, but I would give you a painful memory that you (laughs) choose to forget. But I'd like to suggest that if you get that lyric, then you know nearly everything you need to know about the Feast of Pentecost. It's the great song or prayer of Pentecost. We just heard it, come Holy Spirit, veni sancti spiritus. We pray that, we sing it on this feast day every year, come Holy Spirit. But why do we need to do it? Do we need to remind the spirit to come? Is the the spirit off doing something else and we just need to get his attention? 2000 years ago, did they just get the spirit on a good day and, and there he came without asking? Why do we say, Come, Holy Spirit? What is it that we're somehow prodding the Spirit to do that He wouldn't do on His own? And of course, the answer to that is we don't pray for God's benefit. We pray for our benefit. And by consciously, intentionally saying in prayer and song, Come, Holy Spirit, what we're really doing is trying to open our hearts and our ears and our minds so that we might receive that spirit who's never gone anywhere. Think about the famous reading from Acts of the Apostles, right? Speaking in tongues. We talk about that to this very day. What really was the miracle of Pentecost? Is it that they all somehow knew these various languages and spoke them? Well, something like that happened. But I would suggest that the real miracle of Pentecost isn't simply that they spoke these languages. It's that the people in the crowd, and there would have been thousands of them on this feast day. Remember, Pentecost is not a Christian feast originally. It's a Jewish feast. That's why they were all in Jerusalem. But the real miracle is what they heard. And it's not only that they heard a language that they spoke, but that they received the message that they heard spoken. Now we read on the Feast of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. The set passage is verses 1 to 12. And as many of you know, I'm always harping on the fact that the church selectively takes out verses. Because if we read verses 1 to 12 instead of 1 to 11, you'd see, as many of you know, that in verse 12, a lot of the people in the crowd don't listen, they don't get it. They even accuse the disciples of being drunk. Why are they speaking in these strange languages? And that is as important as the fact that the disciples could speak in tongues. Because it's not enough to hear the message. Are we actually receiving the content? And why do we bother doing this year after year after year? Come, O Holy Spirit. Is there honestly something you or I can point to in our lives to say, this is what justifies that prayer. This is what that is all about, and this is what it looks like in my life. This is what literally has been changed. And that's why I said, memories, and whether they're remembered joyfully or painfully, have almost everything to do with this Feast of the Holy Spirit. Because if there's one thing that prevents our hearts from actually receiving what we hear... It's unhealed memories. One of the greatest obstacles in the Christian spiritual journey is unhealed memories. And if you continued on to read in Acts of the Apostles, you would see that right after Peter was up there on the rooftop speaking in tongues, he launches into this long speech. And all that that speech is is an attempt to heal the memories of the people of Israel. He reminds them of their history, going all the way back to the very beginning with Moses. And he says, for many of you, this is a painful memory. For many of you, you've been promised that there would be some kind of deliverance and generation after generation. Now here you are under the Roman boot, and those memories are not healing memories as a people. We can imagine what harmful, unhealed memories can look like for us as a community. But let's bring it much closer to home, those very personal unhealed memories that we carry for lots of different reasons. Every one of us is the product of a family. It's a product of a home, is the product of a community. Sometimes there are unhealed memories there, right? Unhealed memories in marriages, with parents, with children, unhealed memories, sometimes real early on in school, unhealed memories from our career choices and paths. And to the degree that those memories aren't healed, then you and I can hear till the cows come home, come Holy Spirit, this is the birthday of the church. Isn't it wonderful what we celebrate today? But I can be as guilty as they were at the first Pentecost Yes, I hear the words and I hear them in my own language, but I'm not receiving what the message is. Because the Holy Spirit will never force anything down our throats. If there's one thing we learn as we grow up in the faith, it's that the love of God and the power of God usually doesn't alter the exterior world, external world in our lives. It doesn't magically bring healing to what seems to be broken. And so then the lie of our spiritual enemy, the lie that he wants to plant is that all of this is just nice show. And those unhealed memories are what really come. That's what governs the choices we make. That's what shapes the relationships that we embrace or we shun. Those harmful unhealed memories. And we get on with our lives and we manage to push those things down and suppress them. And we can hide them under the beautiful incense and the wonderful prayers. But they're still there. So what do we do about it? How do you heal memories? Well, there's a real good guidebook right there in Scripture itself. And for starters, you've got to name them. And they're not pleasant to name. That's why they're unhealed. That's why we like to keep them down. But to be able to bring them out into the light and to actually say, this is something that is painful for me. This person who was otherwise truly wonderful, but they did this thing and it really, really hurt. And maybe they're still with you in your life. Maybe they've long passed on. It's not about putting them on a guilt trip, but it is about honestly acknowledging, I've got this thing and it's been like a ball and chain on my heart and it goes way, way back. That's what Peter did for the people of Israel. That's what Jesus did for Peter, remember? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? He's forcing Peter to look at what is an old memory, and if it doesn't heal, there's going to be big trouble for the rest of Peter's life. Well, we all have things like that. And so that's not just to create a gloomy day on an otherwise beautiful spring morning, but just with gentleness, with love, but most of all with hope in our faith, to name it and bring it out, and then what do you do? Then you bring it into conversation. You talk about it in a safe way. Talk about it with someone that you trust. Talk about it with someone that you love. Maybe it's not that person who is the source of the unhealed memory. Maybe it just wouldn't be prudent to do that. That's okay. But find someone. And that's why St. Joe's, you've really hit it out of the park, and I hope you appreciate it with your Communities for the kingdom. That's the kind of thing, the kind of healing that can happen when you build up a small community in faith of people who may not be one another's best friends, but they gather intentionally. And I'll bet a lot of people here are members of such groups. And if you're not, what a great day to sign up. It's Sunday. What if someone says, well, come back on Monday. Say, no, this is Pentecost. You take my name and number and email. I don't know who told me to do it. Don't quote me. But sign up, what a great thing. And I know for people here who have been going to those groups now for months and maybe over a year, it slowly begins to happen that you do bring those unhealed memories out as trust grows and suddenly you realize, hey, I'm sharing this journey with you. And all of a sudden these red flames of Pentecost aren't just nice environmental images, but they really become symbols Of something that can be healed and finally you name it you bring it into trusted conversation and then you bring it into prayer and simply ask this Holy Spirit we've been singing about say Holy Spirit help me know how you were present at that time so long ago when I was hurt help me see where you were when I was that little girl or guy And I suffered that wound in my heart that I've been carrying for so long. Because I didn't think you were there. The last thing I was thinking about when that wound was opened was that somehow the love of God was present. And if I'm not willing to go back and revisit that, then I can talk about the love of God all I want, but I'm not really going to feel it. And I promise you, this may sound strange. What do you mean, Holy Spirit, show me where you were? But that's really what happens. Do it in prayer, and if you're not sure how to do that, then talk to some of these people around here. Talk to Father Robinson, talk to Father Trout, talk to, you've got a whole host of deacons in this parish. Got a lot of other folks who work here, good people. Yes, they do their jobs very professionally, but most of all, they wanna help lead us in prayer. And really, at the end of the day, you don't need them, you just need someone who will listen to you in love and you need to call on the Holy Spirit. So it is right that we pray, come Holy Spirit. But all that I'm encouraging every one of us, myself included, to do is that we finish the sentence this way, come Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Yes, renew the church, but especially, help me heal those unhealed memories because that's what gets in the way of making this feast day actually make a difference in our lives.